Spawn on Me is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Adams, rocking with you for this week and every week talking to you about video games through a prism of blackness. Rocking out here in the state, uh, in the world, in the land of Chicago. If you missed last week's episode, you missed a banger with Monster D-Face, Javier Calazzo. We had a great conversation about him moving into the space of being a entrepreneur with practice server, practice server. Um, after being one of the top Fortnite commentators on the planet, it was a really good conversation about how to build a business, how to think about yourself as a business person and an entrepreneur, as a person who is trying to figure out ways to keep yourself sustainable in the gaming industry in a much larger and broader way. So I was really excited to be able to have that conversation with him. If you missed it, please go back and check out the show. Please remember to subscribe to all the places that we reside. Um, and let people know about the show. Again, it's always about each one teaching one and letting people know about what's happening here in Chicago. This week is a very cool week because we get to talk a little bit more about hardware. I, you know, we've been getting in some really cool stuff over the past couple of weeks. You've seen some of this cool stuff we've gotten from our folks over at Sega, uh, stuff we've gotten from our folks over at Microsoft, ice cream we, they sent over, uh, and, and, and some other stuff there. Uh, it's always cool to be able to see uh, you know, uh, companies kind of believing in us and wanting us to showcase their stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited about today's show because we have the folks from PDP over here. So I'm super familiar with their work, uh, for a long time in the space. Um, and, and I'm super excited because we get a chance to rock with two of their main folks, um, in Naveen Kumar, who's their chief executive, I'm sorry, chief marketing officer and Ali, uh, Haman Yafor, uh, who is their product manager over on the esports side? So we're going to talk to them about. They have a really cool new uh, uh, couple of pieces of gear that they're putting out into the world very soon. Uh, and let's just get into the conversation and introduce them and, and and bring them into the conversation. So let's welcome Ali and Naveen into the show right about now. Hey, gents! I'm really excited to have you all on the show. I I was waiting to get this done. I had seen and 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 been in one of the uh, presentations that you had shared um, and getting a chance to see all the stuff that you're pulling through on the Victrix line. I'm really excited about what you have coming. I think I think it's really awesome to be able to see all the things that are coming down the line. Um, Naveen, I'd love to, to get you and Ali a, a little bit of info about like your backgrounds too. I think a lot of stuff that folks, when they think about the show, they're always thinking about um, not only the, the the kind of products and games and, and parts of it, but the folks behind all of the work that goes into making these amazing products. Uh, give the folks at home a little bit of info about, you know, how you kind of started in this space. Because I know you have a long lineage of an Xbox side and things and, yeah. and, and coming over. So I'd love to hear more of your story there. Yeah, so for me, I started gaming as a kid, right? We had the Atari. Uh, I remember, you know, we had the Sega Master System when everyone else got the 8-bit Nintendo. So I'm still mad at my brother for that. But I mean, we just we just we grew, grew up gaming, and um, you know, I did a ton with friends. And then, you know, as I got to be a teenager and early adult, you know, picked up some other interests, uh, but came back into it when Xbox reached out to me. Uh, in late 2010, they needed a, a leader on the Xbox accessories team. Uh, so I joined in 2011 and was, was with them for about 10 years leading their accessories marketing team. And then just recently in July, uh, I joined PDP 
as they have a ton of awesome products coming out uh, and a great opportunity for me to to lead the growing team there on the marketing side. So, uh, yeah, that's my background when it comes to how I got into gaming. Yeah, we have to we have to also talk about another Xbox thing that we that, that, that we have in common very, very soon. We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit in the, later in the show. Ali, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Like, how, how did you get into this space? Uh, it's it's gaming industry is big and, w- and wide and vast. Uh, I'd love to hear how you how you got into the industry as well. Yeah, for sure. So I've been a gamer my whole life. Um, I started, you know, I was born in 87. So I started with the Super Nintendo, or sorry, then then Nintendo with Duck Hunt and Mario. Um, And I was very big on fighting games growing up. So the arcade scene was uh, very popular for me. Um, I used to go play Marvel vs. Capcom. That was one of my main games as a child. Um, Also Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. So I grew up kind of playing the uh, fighting games in the arcades through the 90s. Um, And then it was about 2009 when I took it a little bit more seriously. Um, Street Fighter 4 came about. And uh, tournaments like Evo started happening that I was starting to attend and and compete in. So I've been gaming my whole life. But I would say, yes, um, about 2009 is when I started going to tournaments and stuff like that for uh, for the fighting games. And then later on, I got more into FPS games, especially Battle Royales. Um, So games like uh, Call of Duty Blackout, when that came out, I loved that game. Uh, Played it for hours. And then obviously the new ones are like Warzone and Apex Legends. So... um, yeah, just kind of been gaming my whole life. I love it. I love it. I love it. I know because there's a lot of folks I know who who are in the space and they don't necessarily game. And they and and it's cool to also hear that folks are, you know, behind behind the sticks literally uh, and and doing the work both in kind of the front house and the in the back house playing on both. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. That's just how I got into Victrix. Actually, was that kind of silly story oh, really? that you just said? Um, so I used to work for Geico. I did marketing for Geico, and we did events at Evo. And I saw Victrix having a booth there. And when I met the team, they said, hey, you are such a huge gamer. You would be a great product manager because you're basically making products that you would use. Mm. You're our kind of target demographic. So we think you'd be great at making these products. And that's kind of how it started. And I've been here for three years, and, and I love it. So kind of similar to what you just said. That's fantastic. I mean, I, 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 I have a similar story of being like periphery or doing parts of the, the gaming experience and then kind of being pulled into a job job for it. Um, so that's awesome. I, I always love stories like that. It's always super cool yeah. to see folks who are like part of the community wind up kind of working in it afterward. Um, for the folks at home who may not necessarily know about PDP products, I'd love for you to give them as well a little bit of background about the company because I'm familiar with it because I've been in the space for a long time. Like I remember getting my first Afterglow uh, uh, con- controller. Uh, so, but give the folks at home a little bit of info about about the work yeah. you've all been doing in that space, and then we'll get a chance to talk about the new stuff that's coming very soon. Yeah, yeah. PDP has been in gaming for a long time. It was established in 1990. Uh, we're behind brands like Victrix, obviously, PDP Gaming, Afterglow, Rock Candy. So we, we kind of run the full gamut when it comes to uh, products and the, the customers that we serve. Um, yeah, we got a lot of great things coming, too. I mean, like I said, I was so pumped to, to, to join the company as they kind of gave me an early sneak peek as to what's coming uh, you know, this fall, next fall. And um, yeah, the brand is uh, certainly um, you know embracing you know, all ends of gaming, from the esports enthusiasts to people that are maybe just picking up their first console. Yeah, it's been very very cool to see the kind of um, transition because it's always one of those interesting spaces to see when a company like this is is continuing to grow and to kind of move into different spaces that have that have they've always been kind of connected to, but now they're like 
full going in 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 those spaces um before we show off the the new controller and and headset i would just love to hear a little bit of thoughts from both of you about you know just what the kind of periphery space peripheral space is is looking like now because there's a lot of stuff in the in the in the, the channel lots of different ways that you can kind of connect to your 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 pcs your switches your your uh uh you know your consoles all, all the things you have your mobile devices does it feel like there's a a trend happening now in any kind of the technological spaces do you feel like you know, one of the things I'm really excited about to talk about with the, the headset and stuff is like Dolby Atmos is, is is included within within that space. Do you feel like there are things that you're seeing or at least, you know, I'm not asking you to give us the, the trade secrets, but like things you're seeing that are coming down the pipeline of like how do folks really engage with the peripherals that we see out in the world and especially the ones that you're bringing to market? Yeah, from my standpoint, you know, there are so many choices, as you mentioned, Khalif, and, and fans are really dissecting what's the difference between one brand versus another. Yeah. You know, there's ways that you can, uh, you know, better express yourself through customization and color and designs. And then there's also performance-based hardware. And that's where Victrix, um, you know, really focuses is on is how can we come up with uh, inputs and, and, and headsets and audio that give players a... Uh, amazing experience and we want to make sure there's actually that competitive uh, advantage that you get from a product um, so that's kind of part of like that's kind of how we decide like what makes or breaks uh, a product from becoming a Victrix product and you know we're seeing in the industry there's um, you know, there's accessories coming on the very high end of the spectrum uh, with, with offering, you know, customization and, and different benefits there. Uh, so we have to, we're in a crowded space. So we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're delivering meaningful value that's not already there in the accessories landscape. I dig that. And Ali, I know, I know in the esports space, things are changing constantly. Uh, things are moving in many different directions in terms of uh, expectations from players, uh, you know, latency has been a really big part of the conversation uh, for a long time now, and now is even more of a conversation now. Um, how, how do you how do you feel about th those parts of the conversation, especially being on the esports side, where you know, time, button to photon, all that kind of stuff is like really really important uh, uh, for folks now. Yeah, most definitely. So you know. In tournaments in general, speed is very important, you know, having that speed advantage, lowest latency possible. But I'd say even more, it's even more important now because, you know, due to a lot of things getting shut down, you know, the pandemic, uh, a lot of these tournaments are online. So now you have that factor of your, you know, online lag uh, on top of your peripherals and the console and your monitor. So there's a lot more variables now that there used to not be. Um, so that's one really cool thing about our technology that we have with our Victrix products is that we, we know that speed is very important, especially for those 50-50 battles that you face in tournaments, whether it's a, a gun gunshot or fighting game, you know, last punch kind of win situation. So um, as Naveen said, we, we take that very seriously in our tech, and that's one of our biggest features, especially with the Gambit controller. So. I am very excited to show off this controller because I think, I think one of the things that I have been super excited about and i talked about it a little bit was a kind of around the you know latency parts of the equation um first of all one of the things i love about pdp is like you go all in on design like it's a beautiful looking 
controller. Like, I love the aesthetic here. You know, I love the fact that it has this module, module kind of uh, components. You can kind of swap things out, swap the sticks out. Uh, I love the fact that there is a space, especially because I'm a Mortal Kombat player, so that you can definitely chop out or swap out your your D-pad uh, for those kinds of things because they're very different than, than the Street Fighter uh, part of the component. I'd love to hear more about, you know, how you're thinking about this from the esports space and, and, and how you're thinking about this is going to kind of, you know, interject itself as a pro controller for folks who are thinking about leveling themselves up, uh, not only in the kind of first person space, but especially kind of in the, the, the fighting game space. For sure. So kind of bring to your point about Mortal Kombat, I'm a huge Mortal Kombat player myself. Um, so you I'm sure you're aware of, you know, flawless blocking in Mortal Kombat 11 and, and mm. blocking in general. Usually it's the right trigger on the controller. So with our patent clutch triggers, we have the hair trigger mode. So it's an instant hit. So when you're trying to do those flawless blocks, it's about a one frame window that you have to hit. But with our controller, since the input latency is so low, you feel like that window is a little bit bigger now. So you can hit those flawless blocks a little bit easier than you would on a you know regular control where you have to fully depress the trigger with us it's just instant so that's a huge advantage you'll get for games like mortal kombat um for other games you know say you use a charge character we do have different gates um within the controller we have the traditional you know circular one but we also have octagonal gate as well so it helps for the charge characters like say uh, guile and street fighter where you want to do like a sonic boom uh you have to typically hold back or down back so that'll give you the advantage there I'd say for the shooter genres, we have the sniper stick, which is great. It's uh, the right thumbstick's a little taller for that precision shots. You also have the clutch triggers, which gives you the, the hair trigger mode to get those gunshots quicker. And then things like the back paddles. We offer uh, two back paddles as well as four. Um, most games, I think, nowadays require four just because, you know, you have to do different mechanics like plating up and war zone and stuff like that. Um, so there's a ton of features and advantages, not only on the controller but in the other core which is the audio side you have the built-in dolby atmos um, to give you that surround sound capabilities as well so ton of features uh for for different genres for tournaments and and even just like the small things around like oh i can swap out the entire faceplate and i have one that's kind of more grippy right it's like I've been in many, many gaming scenarios with sweaty hands, and it has been just a part of the experience uh, of, of being in that space and just having that extra kind of silicone grippy, uh, um, uh, you know, faceplate is really brilliant. It, it shows me that you're thinking about all the scenarios that go along with it, both in a wired uh, format, both in, a, in, a, in a, a wireless part of that conversation. From a latency part of the conversation, you see this this, this graphic if you're watching it on the, on the uh, the VOD version of it, and saying this is the fastest Xbox controller uh, that we've seen in, in in the market now. What's the kind of um, like millisecond range that you're seeing now when when it comes to kind of that that fast button response that was you know the kind of Xbox standard now how you're kind of moving underneath that 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 foundation. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, your console is looking for inputs every four milliseconds. So if your input is not uh, delivering that signal to the console within that window, the next opportunity that you get is another four milliseconds after that. So you can think of it as a train showing up every four milliseconds. If you're not ready to board, you got to wait. Uh, with the Gambit controller, we get our analog inputs and our digital inputs. So that's analog inputs like thumbsticks and triggers and digital inputs being anything has a button click. We get those within um, you know, it's about two milliseconds is our uh, average input latency. So 99% of the time, your input on your 
uh, buttons are showing up in the next frame for the, from the console's perspective. And for analog, it's like 90% of the time in the next frame. When we compare it against uh, other controllers, uh, you know, on average, it was only about, I want to say, 30% of the time could they get um, a digital input in the next frame. And when it came to analog inputs, it was like 10% next frame. So we have a huge advantage there. And the way we did it is by, we took a different approach when it came to how we actually process the inputs. Most controllers use a single MCU that has to process both the inputs and the audio, which is a heavy burden uh, on the controller. And as a result, you uh, you have some trade-offs where you're giving up some speed or some audio quality. But when it comes to Gambit, we actually have two independent cores. One is dedicated to uh, the inputs. The other one is a digital signal processor that is dedicated to super clear audio. Um, and part of the advantage of splitting up into two cores is we can enable amazing audio, do things like Dolby Atmos, um, in the app itself, you can tune the EQs of whatever headset you have plugged in to your controller, and that's not typical. Uh, so, yeah, we, we invested a ton to make sure that that speed advantage is coming through on our controller, and it's really born out of the um, the speed work that Vitrix has done with the Pro FS Fight Stick. You know, that's kind of you know where Vitrix kind of really got its name as being uh, you know very very fast and, and very performative for uh, gamers in the fight game community. Are you are you thinking about because one of the the kind of really interesting issues around the fighting game community is that they're constantly thinking about you know best ways to get folks not only into tournaments but making sure that hardware is consistent across different um, players so that everyone is kind of equal in that space. When you were thinking about making this controller and when you kind of crafted it and started to go into the design and all those things, did you pull in folks from the fighting game communities to say, like, here are the things that we're thinking about. Here are some pain points that we see within the space. I love the fact that you talked about the online uh, uh, versions of tournaments that we're seeing right now, Ali. How much of that kind of information came into the, into the, the design process from external folks like folks in the fighting game community? Yeah, there's been a ton of uh, feedback from those guys. You know, we have great relationships um, with everyone in the FGC, not only just the players, but the TOs. Actually, I just had a, a meeting with Jabaley, who runs CEO uh, at 8.30 in the morning a, few, you know, a little hour ago. So we have great relationships with all these guys, and we, we send them a lot of beta units, get a ton of feedback. You know, I think with us, R&D is very heavy for Victrix. So we do a ton of R&D ton of focus groups stuff like that and uh, yeah we we got uh you know stuff from top players what they want in a controller what they need what they think will be kind of a standout features and we took all that into consideration when making the controller I, I love that and and again i just love the the fact that you can swap pretty much everything out i think even, like i've never seen a controller where you can actually swap out the entire back back panels like the the back paddles like that's i mean you can pull out the other ones on the kind of like uh on the elite controller but like pulling out the whole thing and having you get two versus four in a very nice sleek design like i love stuff like that it is it is very cool to see you've thought about that and then also having the ability to kind of fine-tune everything through the app as well like it, it shows me again that that's that's paramount of, of how you're kind of thinking about it but i also want to talk oh, about sure audio because i think for me again i run a podcast that's the thing that i do it is a part of part of the deal um and seeing the wireless gaming headset i am always in the mix to try to figure out 
how's the best way that I will not get in trouble from my wife when I'm playing video games very loudly? <laughs> Hence, having a fantastic headset is is paramount when it comes to this. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts about you know what went into the design of, of the headset. It is gorgeous. Um, I love the fact that you've gotten those 50 millimeter drivers in there. Again, as a person who loves really rich sound, uh, you get a lot of great uh, uh, variability within within the kind of soundscape there with that. Uh, Naveen, I'd love, love, love to hear your thoughts about kind of the thought behind uh, this headset and, and, and what it's bringing to the market now. Yeah, for with this headset, we really wanted to bring, you know, tournament performance at home. And, you know, at most of the tournaments, you need a wired connection. So in order for this Victrix product to be as usable at a tournament as it is at home, we've got to make sure, you know, wire connection is something that we're delivering. But to be more convenient at home so you can play where you want to and have more, more freedom without the wires, we also enable a wireless connection too. So it's sort of a two-in-one. Um, and then, you know, we've we've been in audio for, you know, f- you know, a few years now with Victrix and we have some amazing technology that we've put uh, into this headset. You know, we have, uh, you know, the 50 millimeter drivers. We have a technology called spectral hearing, which, um, you know, looks at the acoustic cavity, the drivers and the overall uh, comfort and design to make sure it's just sounding top-notch. Uh, there's a, a microphone uh, that we're using that um, you know is coming from the same technology that uh, was used in Cobra attack helicopters, right? So <laughs> when the most uh, you know clear communication is is needed and the best technology, we got that in our headset. Um, and you know Ali and team have been really thoughtful when it comes to some of the comfort designs too. I'll let Ali talk about those. Yeah, for sure. So as we mentioned, you know, with the FGC, we did a ton of R&D. Um, and we did the same thing with audio. And just to kind of go back about the FGC, the fight sticks are heavily modded and customized. And that's mm. why we kind of got that inspiration to heavily mod and customize your controller. So I just wanted to kind of let you guys know about that as well. I love that. Um, but, go, but going back to the headset, yeah. So we did a ton of R&D with top pros and, and teams. And we said, hey, you know, what's the number one thing you look for in a headset? And, you know, a lot of people assume it's sound but it's actually comfort. And it makes sense because these guys, you know, they stream for eight hours a day. They compete in tournaments all day long. So they want something that's comfortable, lightweight, that they don't feel it's on their head and giving them fatigue. So things like the clamp force, the depth of the ear cushions, the, the, acoustic cavity making sure it doesn't rub on your ear cartilage because that's a very sensitive part of your ear you know even like a hour of rubbing can cause severe uh, fatigue so we took all that in consideration when making the headset and of course lightweight it's only 301 grams as well so a ton of r&d just on the uh comfort alone just put into the headset and even small things like i there's been this really interesting move away from really competent boom mics like people are doing, you know, you know, boomless uh, headsets and, and, and stuff like that that work OK. But I just getting that clarity because, you know, anytime you have a microphone, it needs to be semi close to your face to be able to get the best kind of sound on it. Uh, and just having like a, you know, flip to flip to, to, to mute is a very important thing. It's a signal for other people in the room that like, hey, OK, now you can tell me how bad I am about not taking out the garbage. <laughs> Don't do it in front of my friends. Don't tell all me in front of my friends. Um, but I, I think I'm also really excited to see and, and, and hear your thoughts about how, you know, both these models uh, are working across new hardware. So, so, you know, having, you know, versions for both the Xbox one, the Xbox series of, of lines and, and also PlayStation with very different ways that they're tackling audio, but you're also kind of uh, accommodating for both. 
you know, what's what's what was the conversation early on when you were thinking about like how do we want to get into that space and make sure we have a product for for both? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, audio solutions is very important and you have to have a surround sound feature at this, you know, day and age for sure. Uh, stereo is not good enough. So with the Xbox version, we knew we had to work with Dolby on this because Dolby Atmos is one of the best features out there. So we ended up partnering with those guys and we made a cool integration where basically it's a lifetime subscription to Dolby. So as long as you have the a Gambit product, say like the headset, you plug in the dongle to the Xbox console or the PC and you download the Dolby app, you'll it'll recognize you have a Gambit product and you'll have Dolby there. You don't have to buy a two-year subscription or have it tied to one account. It's tied to the, to the product for life, which is great. Um, <clears throat> sorry. And then for um, the Sony version, we're trying to say, okay, what can we find that's comparable? And we did, try a ton of different solutions out there. I, I won't name them, but, um, you know, we did find kind of some troubles with certain features, you know, it, it would kind of, you know, make the audio sound really good, the game audio, but it would also kind of tune the chat and it would make the chat seem weird. It would, you know, we're like, we don't want this to tune the chat, just the audio. Um, but then once the, we got, you know, early samples of PlayStation 5 and kind of tested Sony 3D audio, we found out, hey, this is a really, really good solution as well. And we felt that it was the best one for uh, the PS5. So you have Dolby Atmos for Xbox and PC. And then for the Sony version, you have Sony 3D audio compatibility. So I, I love it. It's again, it's, it's the thing I love about this line, especially is whenever I'm watching a tournament and your gear is prominent, I automatically know that it's you. Like just from <laughs> yeah. a design perspective, just from the, the 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 kind of classic X on the sides of 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 the uh, uh, of of the, con- of the controllers and the headsets and, and everything that you wind up seeing, like that that cross, it just automatically. I'm like, oh, I know exactly where this uh, who, who's sponsoring this event and, and things like that, which I've always thought was really really slick. Uh, from a Kind of future-looking conversation. Of course, these have just these are, are coming out or will just be coming out very very soon. Um, with with fantastic prices too. I, I think that's always a really interesting part of the equation too. Where you know with the the, the controller uh, coming out, I think. Uh, let me see, uh, ninety nine bucks. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, controller coming in at ninety nine, and the headset coming in at one twenty nine really competitive prices for folks who were thinking about what where they want to kind of land within the the ecosystem how important was it to kind of get pricing right for 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 new peripherals in this space when you when you talked about it Naveen, about having so much competition in the space yeah i mean there's there's so many options just in the last few years i think the high-end controller market has grown significantly both on the first party uh, and the third party side. So we knew we were entering a crowded space. And, um, you know, for us to really deliver value, we want to make sure the product is offering a ton of compelling features and options. But the other side of value is how much you're paying for it, right? So mm. we felt being under that $100 mark uh, is a must have for us. And I think our teams worked really hard to uh, not make uh, compromises when it comes to the uh, the controller at that price point, nor the headset uh, to hit $130 when, you know, we know our fans have options um, and we, and they've been asking us for a long time, you know, when are you guys going to bring more Victrix products to market? I love your gear, but, you know, it's, it's a little bit, um, you know, more than I can afford. So we've been hearing them for a long time and Gambit is designed to address that of 
making sure we're bringing the same product technology and quality uh, at, at, at more approachable price points for, for, for whether it's control controllers or for audio. I love that. I, I think one, one of the other things that I, that I'm really excited about, not only within, you know, these two products that are coming out, let me, let me showcase these bad books. They're, they're super pretty. Like this is, I just, again, like packaging and, and getting things together in a way that feels super premium and all that, which is fantastic. Again, like it shows all the goodies that are here and, you know, just holding these, you know, you talked about weight, you talked about, you know, how these are going to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, be a part of your gaming experiences. I'm curious about the future. I'm not going to ask you what the next product is going to be. <laughs> I know how this works. Damn it. I've been in this business for long, for a long time. But I do, I do want to ask you about the future of where you think things may be going. And I think, you know, uh, uh, I'm excited for the potential new fight sticks that will be coming out under the Vistrix line. Uh, you know, hopefully there'll be a spawn on me one at some point. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but um, it is one of those things of like, we've talked about audio fidelity in the gaming space right now. Graphical fidelity is a huge conversation. But now I've been telling people that the last stuff that we're going to see is now going to be really playing on your senses. So you have the dual sense controller that has very, 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 very cool uh, different versions of the haptic feedback that you're getting within those spaces. Um, are there things that you're all thinking about to get ahead of the curve or things you're thinking about from a technology standpoint that are coming down the line that, you know, folks who are listening to the show today or, you know, folks who are going to be seeing this later, you get a chance to say, like, we told you this was coming. Uh, you should have listened to us a long time ago. Uh, any any technology aspects that you're seeing that are going to be things that we're going to be thinking about in the next three to four years, five years in that way that we should be thinking about? Yeah, I you know, we have these brainstorming sessions, which I love. It's it's great. We actually make a point to go to the office for those, too. I yeah. know we all work from home right now, but um, I love those sessions. We come up with crazy ideas. Um, I can't say much, but I can say, you know, we we're definitely thinking about sensors in every form, mm. every kind of sensor you can think of. Um, and just different, you know, different things of how things work on keyboards, how those keyboards could maybe translate to peripherals, like a controller or a fight stick. Um, there's tons of things we think about daily. So, um, yeah, we have really exciting stuff coming out in the pipeline, which obviously I can't share, but, totally. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really good brainstorming sessions. So, awesome. yeah. and awesome. we know we know that our, our fans play on a variety of devices, right? So we're mm -hmm. thinking about you know someone who might be primarily a PlayStation fan or an Xbox fan. That's maybe not exclusively where they're playing. So how can we ensure they're getting the most out of the gear that they're buying? You know, if it's possible for us to enable play across on mobile, PC, you know, across devices, we're thinking about that too. I, I love that. That has been one of my favorite things that have kind of come up in the last year or so. Is like. You get one device and I can plug it in in multiple places or it'll just speak to each uh, piece of the ecosystem and just kind of connect and work. Um, and that stuff has been pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, we're almost out of time, but I do have to say uh, we, we have history now in the biggest way. Um, you were on <laughs> stage with, with friend and family Paris Lily during the infamous pa, uh, Ka Can't Cook segment. Um, 
I have to say thank you for being like you you held that down so well. <laughs> you were just like I'm just gonna let this thing go and it's gonna be fantastic. And you're it's you are you are the lost member of that entire part of that conversation now because I, I just wasn't accomplished. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you get a chance to, to have been in that part. I, I have to say thank you for 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 being a part of that when we had that conversation when we were in the um. Uh, the, the behind the behind the scenes, uh, you know, uh, vis- a meeting of uh, checking out all the gear. Uh, you had shared that with me, and I was like, "That's right, I remember that now. I remember that you being <laughs> on stage." Um, so that means that now I have to implore you to figure out a way to get him back. I'm I'm putting it on 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 the camera now. Put it on the, on the episode. We got to figure out a way to do something PDP wise, Vitrix wise, to get him back. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we have to make a a, a a fake headset that just talks about how bad he cooks. I don't know. Whenever he talks, it just sounds like burnt food uh, cooking in the background. I don't know what we have to do, but we have to figure out some way to, to, to get him back. All right. We'll, we'll send a message back to Paris. <laughs> yeah, we have to do it. We have to make it happen. Um, gents, thank you so much for, 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 for hanging out with me uh, today. Uh, again, I think one of the things that I'm excited about, again, the way you're all thinking about your products from this very holistic way. You're thinking about not only how we're tackling audio and how we're tackling the tactile parts of gaming in that way, but you're thinking about the ways that people play and giving them a space to be able to do it in in, in so many different ways, like all those parts that you can interchange on the controller, um, having uh, these headsets being able to individually talk to to the to the, the the whole ecosystem especially on the xbox side where you've been able to use that through pc and, and wired versus wireless like having all of that in the ecosystem makes me as a person who who uh is a consumer and the folks who i talk to in my audience to say this is a really great uh bang for your buck like the things that you would think about of like oh i don't, I don't know where that dongle is like you just plug it in because there's a 3.5 on it like stuff like that is really really important and i think that you've all done a fantastic job of, of, of making sure that everyone is going to be able to play in the best ways possible. So uh, thank you so much for being here and for rocking on, on this show. I know it's a, a little bit early for, for this record, uh, but uh, you all are brilliant. And we got to definitely talk about more stuff when they come out uh, and get down the line. Awesome. Well, Cleve, thanks for the feedback. Yeah. Thanks for the, the chance to talk with you. I mean, we're just excited for fans to get their hands on these products. They just you know, started shipping at the beginning of October. Uh, so as more and more fans get a chance to play with them, give us their feedback, we're going to continue to listen to them, continue to find ways to delight them. Um, so, yeah, speaking with you has been a pleasure for us as well. Gents, thank yeah. you so much. Everybody in Chicago, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be right back with more news of the day. The 411 is coming up right after this. Hey, Bricago, Merrick Kay here from Fanbyte. Did you know that Spot on Me is a part of the Fanbyte Podcast Network? We produce a ton of other great shows like Channel F, a podcast where we talk about the games we're playing. Can I just say yeah. how much I would love for there to be a Hitman game that's just about making people experience embarrassing social faux pas, trying to like prank people and make it seem like they had farted or like tripped on something? <laughs> that would be like very good. Dig up weird finds at thrift stores. So the listing says Bung Doctor V64. <laughs> and take your questions about the best jokers. Lovars Martin asks, what's the best or coolest weapon ever given to a mech? Gundam Gusion Rebake has a really good... Give me me that one more time. Gundam Gusion Rebake. Yo, I heard you. (laughs) Gundam (laughs) Gusion. I personally guarantee that listening to Channel F will make you a better, smarter, more powerful version of yourself. 
So go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts or search for Channel F on your podcast app of choice today. Improvement not guaranteed. Listening to Channel F may cost you amplification. What up, what up, what up? We are back from our break. Thank you so much to our wonderful folks over from PDP. If you missed that beginning part of the show, you missed a really cool, cool part of the conversation around what's going to happen in the future of peripherals with PDP and Vixtrix and everything that they've been doing over on that side of the fence. So big shout out to Naveen and to Ali for, for, for coming and hanging out uh, for a little bit before we had to let them go to go make more cool stuff in the world. Um, this week, uh, there's not a lot of things to talk about uh, in terms of like real big gaming news. There were, the biggest story was around the Intel, not Intel, <laughs> the Twitch hack um, that happened uh, a couple days ago. It sounds like there were some personal information that was pulled from the site. They actually pulled the entire source code uh, of Twitch uh, down and into uh, the databases. The hackers, they figured out ways to, to circumvent uh, the security and getting it and getting some of that information. The other big amount of information that wound up getting taken from uh, the hack was basically a whole laundry list of databases in one database uh, in particular showcasing the amounts of money that people were making in terms of the top streamers, probably the top 10,000 streamers or so um, uh, in the space per month. Uh, and it was really interesting to go through some of that information and see what was on that list. Um, I, I think I think the takeaway is, and because I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, because I really don't think it's actual news, because you can probably see and guess how much folks are making. Most people have a subscriber count on their screen when they kind of do their streams anyway. So you can kind of have an idea of like how much people are making if you guesstimate what that potentially could be. Um, so big streamers like uh, Hassan and XQC and and uh, you know other folks in that space, they're making a crap ton of money on the site, multi million dollars of stuff, uh, you know, per year off of Twitch and streaming and doing all that kind of work. And you know, you know, Hassan was a big uh, uh, entity over at the Young Turks who came over and and, and moved his political. Uh, community or, or community around politics over to Twitch in a, in a pretty fantastic way who games now and does all that kind of stuff. Um, other folks are legacy Twitch, uh, like Summit and other folks, and they got to, you know, to share how much money they're making per per month. And if you guesstimate and, you, you know, you multiply whatever those numbers are by, by 12, you'll get an idea of what they made uh, this year or last year when when that data was 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 fresh. It's just really interesting. It's it's kind of cool to see that you can do this kind of work and make that kind of money. Um, you know, they're they're not not doing work. They're at a desk for eight to twelve hours, sometimes longer, providing content for people and making entertainment and being, you know, some of them being entertaining on their streams while they do that work. I think it's if you, if you can get in where you fit in and make the money in the places that you can, like, I'm not going to be mad at you for being able to do that. Hell, I wish I could do that kind of work. I'm just not going to sit on my desk and do that work for 12 hours. Cause I just, I'm not entertaining for 12 hours. <laughs> like I, I, I am not the person who you want to have on a stream for that long, trying to turn to, to make it uh, in that way. My brain just won't let me do it. 
But what I did find really interesting is that the conversation around POC streamers and how many of us were in those top 50, top 100, top 200 was very, very scarce. Uh, you start to see folks that we know and love, the you know other folks, the story mode bays, the sen the, the, the senseis, the you know the, the the Chelsea bites and and big cheeses and all those folks. They start to get into that list in the you know lower hundreds. Um, I mean the higher hundreds and stuff like that, higher thousands and stuff. But it's great to know that they are POC folks who you know like. I don't think people understand that you're making good bags in the space because we have an under, I, I feel like there's an underlying feeling that like no POC folks are making a decent bag. And I think if, even if you just poke at somebody's numbers and say, well, like, wow, you've made like, you're making like 30 to like 30 to 60 grand a month in subs. Like that's a good amount of money to bring home per year post taxes. That's a good amount of money to bring home post taxes for streaming and talking to free people and playing video games and kind of stuff. So like weirdly a like weird side effect of the, you know, checking out the list and seeing all that kind of stuff. It made me kind of proud to see so many folks who I knew who started off as like baby streamers or now gotten bigger and who are like making good cake and good dough on their streams. Like, Weirdly, it was kind of nice to be able to see like, oh, my peers are making money in this space. Like, yeah, there are people who aren't that we don't make anything in comparison to that, but I only stream like once or twice a week. So it's like my expectations are very different for what we do on Spawn Me as opposed to other places. We get money from other places and other sources. Um, but knowing that the people who are doing this and have decided to go full time and doing this work in that way are like making good money. That's kind of fantastic. That's kind of great. Um, it's sad that the information came out this way. It is, it is, I wish that this, I wish that these conversations were ones that we were having in a more transparent way that didn't come up from a, um, you know, a hack being, being the, the, the reason why these things are here, but it gives me a lot of hope that a lot of really good folks and, and like people who are thinking about getting into this game and trying to make a good bag can make a good bag. That's kind of cool. You know, like I appreciate that a bunch. Um, it did also highlight again that women are not in those higher up, upper echelons of money makers on that site. Um, that's something that I, you know, knew for a while and we've been talking about for a long time on the show. Another thing is again, like the timber of the energy around the folks who are at the top of the game. It is, it is still very dude oriented. It's still very uh, uh, um, aggressive in the way that the, the content comes across. Um, there aren't a lot of POC folks there. There aren't a lot of women. There aren't a lot of minorities. There aren't a lot of people who aren't screamers and rah, rah, angry, angry dudes. Like even if they're not angry and for real, like their persona is angry in that angry, like I'm gonna come at you kind of energy is the prevailing energy that moves Twitch forward in a way that is kind of weird. That's a, that's a reflection of the community. Like, I don't even think that's necessarily just the legacy folks. Cause the legacy folks are just legacy folks. Like they've been there for a long time. So, they've maintained the audiences that were there when they were starting the practices of doing that stuff. But even some of the newer folks who are like either like using sexuality to kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, be a, a major part of their, their content or, you know, uh, folks are not doing super risque stuff or doing super shock value stuff. The prevailing energy is still like 
rah-rah dudeness. And that that to me is also a weird part of the equation um, in within that space. So I think that's the stuff that I actually worry about and care about when it comes to these conversations. Like I, I, I also think that the conversations around how tech works is still very lacking about like how security works and how infosec works and how how hard it is to do infosec in a good way. Um, depending upon, you know, how, the bigger you get, the more bullets are being shot at you every day. I just think that that's a, a thing that people don't think about when they're like, just fix it. Or Twitch is, Twitch is run by Amazon, so they should have all the money in the world to fix InfoSec. I was like, that's not the way InfoSec works. You can throw a bunch of different kinds of money at it. You can throw a bunch of resources at it, but sometimes you just get hacked. Like, it's a, no, no, no system is infallible, I think. And I think that's the thing to remember. It's like, yes, there are probably some things that didn't get fixed. There are probably some things that didn't work out. There are probably some holes that got left open because humans are humans and that's what humans do. Um, so like there's a human factor in all of this that I think people consistently forget. Like there is no AI that's just figuring out and fixing holes in the internet. Like that's not the way the internet works. Um, so I would like people to kind of get better about that before they start barking online about like, you should have fixed this shit. I'm like, that. come on, come on y'all. Like, just so you don't know, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Just so you don't know how it works and that's fine. Or at least let people who know be the head of the conversation as opposed to everybody who just thinks they know shit. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting part of the conversation. The only other story that I think is, is really relevant to me. I think that I really, really care about is like, yes, Metroid, um, dread came out. Um, I think that's going to be cool. I haven't seen it. I haven't played it. Um, maybe I'll get a copy of it. I don't know. The Switch OLED is 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 now out in the world, so people are enjoying that. Um, I I'm playing a lot of the Battlefield uh, beta, and the Battlefield beta right now is in a rough spot. It is also supposedly a couple months uh, off of where they're at now in terms of development, with the game coming out in probably another month or so. Um, it's a it's a rough experience in comparison to what we got a chance to play in the Halo one. The Halo one was just very, very clean and, and very, very polished. This does not feel polished in that way. But again, it's a beta. They're going to be things that are funky and weird. I, I just the thing I worry about for them is has it set a bad taste in the mouths of people who are really excited for Battlefield. And now with Halo, it did the reverse thing where people had not necessarily low expectations, but they had reasonable expectations and that raised their expectations a bunch. Battlefield now with it not having itself in a great position when it came to the way that it kind of went out, does that sully it for launch, which especially as a game that is not free for play, free, free to play. Um, does that make people more worried about spending their money on a game like this? Um, so I, that's, that's, what's going to be really interesting. Like there are just small things that just didn't feel good. Like pinging is a huge part of the battlefield experience and that just didn't feel good. Um, there's a lot of menus to have to go through to get to certain things you need to. I still love the cross system. The cross system, now that I see how they're implementing it, is really brilliant and fun. Um, but it's it's a interesting space as well, just for like size and scope of game. Like having Halo be at cap, like 16 people, I think, really makes you have these moments where the fights feel intimate. Battlefield as a huge 128 player map, it feels like chaos and it doesn't feel like good chaos. It doesn't feel like chaos that has a, that has momentum. It doesn't feel like it has direction in that way. 
Um, like, I don't even know what a good route is in Battlefield at this point uh, to like get from one place to another because the maps are going to be so huge. And you're going to get shot from so many different places. And you're literally going to have to figure out comms between your small group and the larger group, which to make that game as fun as it needs to be, you need to have that coordinated effort to be like squad C, you need to go here because I'm going to be in squad A and we're going to go flank around this side. I just don't know if you're going to have that many people in your own party list that are going to be playing for that much across that many people. Um, so you're just going to have to hunker down and kind of figure out those individual stories of like how you want to kind of tackle a thing and hope that your team doesn't, you know, do weird stuff on the other parts of the map. It will be interesting to see how they kind of work that into some of the stuff. It, it probably makes it more interesting now to see how they talked about map sizes and then having those super big ones and then smaller ones. Having played it, it makes me lean towards wanting to play some of the smaller maps because you know the flanking points, you know the choke points, you know where those things are going to wind up being. You can kind of strategize around that as opposed to, you know, you're getting shot from every direction in the air, from the ground, from snipers and towers, from all these other places where people can go. Um, it will be really interesting to see what that looks like. I'm still very excited for it. I'm I'm hyped about that game. I love Battlefield. Spawn of me is because of Battlefield. Um, so again... I'm very excited about <clears throat> the potential of that. Um, the last thing is um, shout out to everybody who came through on the uh, NFL stream that we did uh, yesterday. Uh, we're, we're, I'm recording this late. Uh, uh, usually these shows are out already, already out on Friday. I'm recording this midday Friday, so this will go out in a couple of hours. But I think... Our Thursday night streams are going to be super fun. I'm getting things together and making sure that I'm getting all the graphics and everything together. People really appreciated the the graphic package that I put together for the show yesterday with the kind of logos for the teams and everybody and, and the stuff. And, and I, I love doing that, like doing the, a competitive thing across a game that I love to watch while getting a chance to do that with all of you at home. Super, super fun. I want to continue to do these activations with the NFL on Twitch. It's super, super cool. Um, our Gear for Gamers... Um, contest is now over. Uh, we'll be giving, uh, we'll be talking about the winners, I think on the 13th of October. Uh, so next week, um, I'm really excited to see who won, who won cool stuff. Um, and yeah, we'll figure out like what that means for the winners and seeing how we can get them their prizes and all those kinds of things very, very soon. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things coming down the pipeline for, I think next week. Um, I've been playing, uh, what is it? Blood of the Blood of the Curse God, I think that's the name of it, which is like a a, a twist on kind of Hades esque game, uh, isometric top down. Things are kind of trying to kill you all the time, kind of game. That has been really fun. Uh, playing one of the card games that I don't know if I can talk about yet. Um, I think so. Far Cry Six. I want to dig into in a in a longer episode because I'm not having fun with it. Um, so I'm not going to share thoughts yet, but I will say a lot of the reviews that I did, did see over the past couple of days kind of, uh, reflect that sentiment too, of like the theory and the idea of what Far Cry is as a game feels old. Um, and I'm kind of in that spot too, where I'm just like, I don't want to do all these other small side quests for, for not a lot of gain. I'm like, I would like much, much more want this to be a very focused single player story that you can kind of roam through. Um, I, I do like the characters. I think Danny is, is, is a really cool character. Uh, I have the, the, the woman version of Danny. 
uh, as my protagonist, and it's cool. I, I do want to see what they do with the uh, season pass stuff where you bring back some of the old uh, uh, bosses uh, to play as them um, in that world. That'll be cool to see. And it's been great to see a lot of folks in the Latinx community have you know really great reviews and thoughts on on the conversation about that game because it focuses on uh, places in Central America or you know faux Central America, uh, which has been really cool. Uh, again, I think that's the beauty of diversity and inclusion within these spaces. You get those cultural takes that that really you know bring home the conversation about like what it's supposed to be in those spaces, what that's supposed to mean. Um, so that's been great. It's been it's been really cool. Uh, you know, always love to see those conversations kick in and, and, and be really smart. Um, so I think that's it for this episode. Uh, pretty short one this week. Uh, again, thank you to our friends from PDP for, for showing up and, and talking about their new wares. Uh, I'm going to do an unboxing of the, the, of the controller and the headset very, very soon. So check that stuff out on Twitter and on our Instagram pages. Um, and then, uh, still working through some cool stuff to, to, to see if we can get things under the wire for the end of the year. Um, so we'll see, I'll, I'll, I'll share some information if it, if it is uh, available to share soon, uh, but working through a lot of that and figuring out how to make it all cool for all of you at home. So, uh, much love to you all. We'll see you all next week. Uh, th Wednesday for the live show Thursday for the NFL show, twitch.tv slash spawn on me. Uh, live show on Wednesday will go up on at 6 p.m. Uh, NFL stream goes up at 5 p.m. on Thursdays. Um, and also in the next couple of weeks, I may be on location because I, I, I will have to go down to work. Um, so that'll be a thing. Uh, so I may not be in the Bricago studio uh, for a couple of shows uh, in the next couple of weeks. So uh, much love to you all. We'll give you more information about all that stuff very, very soon. Uh, shout out to our friends over at 2K as well for the, the, the fantastic care packages. Razor as well. Uh, Windows sent over some uh, Windows ice cream that I have to go try. Uh, it's been a really fun time uh, in terms of people sending over like really cool stuff to for me to go play around and check out. Um, so again, we'll see you soon. Much love to you. See you all next week. Peace, peace. Later.